Thank you for the coal. Thank you for the gold. Thank you for the ore, the different kinds of resources you've placed in Alaska. Thank you for the beauty of Alaska that brings tourism here. Thank you for the fish that uh, provides for our food, also provides for our economy. We're so thankful that you created a great world that we simply are to take care of, and it self-sustains by your grace. And so we're so delighted for advancements in our economy. We thank you, Lord, that you are good to us. Uh, Thank you for those that uh, have home businesses, those that have businesses that they lead themselves, those who work for others. We pray that Anchorage will be blessed because there are spirit-anointed workers in each sector. We ask God for your anointing on the teachers, the administrators in our schools, our hospitals, our various and sundry international corporations. Bless the airport and the port. May more and more airplanes come here and more and more ships drop things off here and take things out, import and export. We thank you, Lord, that Alaska has a key place in the role of the world, and we ask that we would continue to do well managing your part of the world called. Alaska. And then, Lord, for those that are trying to retire, help them retire. Those who are trying to get employed, help them get employed. Those who are trying to manage their money, bless them. Those that say, I'd like some money to manage, bless them. We come to you today just as we are and thankful for your grace. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give your offerings today, your tithe. I will add we're just a little percentage or two behind our budgeted income If uh, you could add a little, that would be a huge blessing to MCA Church at this time. Anybody like uh, the Holy Spirit Conference? I think Brian has that, and you gave a little roll there, so uh, that was good. Uh, Two that I have heard about, I've heard of many, but two in particular that I have heard about uh, in Divine Healing. A lady said, I have to be prayed for, and and, uh, the team was tired. They were in my office, so I let her in my office. She had a growth in her body of one kind or the other. I don't know the details. The next day, it was confirmed the growth was gone. So there's a big uh, praise God there. And then uh, uh, Jalissa Martin had a uh, three bones broken in her foot, and she was in a walking cast. And her report is all three bones were healed, and she's without her cast. And so there's another one there. Uh, those are always fun. I get a bigger kick out of people being saved. A lot of people gave their heart to Christ. A lot of people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some of these young adults went on what they call a treasure hunt, and that is walking around somewhere and saying, we're practicing hearing the voice of God and then praying with people. And so I think they went to the Fifth Avenue Mall uh, yesterday and had a lot of fun doing that. And They said, we need to do this every week, so I release you. Do it every week if that's something that you enjoy doing. Lindsay Smallwood is our speaker today, and I couldn't be more excited, more delighted to have Lindsay present the message. Uh, At the stage of life I'm in, I get more fun out of watching uh, you do a good job than I do out of doing a good job myself. And uh, I really enjoy watching what God's doing in and among our people Lindsay grew up at Muldoon. Were you born in Anchorage? You were. So born in Anchorage, been part of our church basically her whole life. Uh, I've enjoyed watching her in children's ministry. We have videos of her in children's uh, choirs and 
then she went off and became a missionary, a Chi Alpha missionary to Stanford. That was beautiful. And uh, served the Lord there. Uh, married, uh, started her family, three boys now I understand. Her husband is a professor of physics, a nuclear kind of scientist guy at San Jose State. Uh, she's moved over into being a full-time mom, an author, a blogger, a vocalist, uh, all around a wonderful lady in the hands of God. And so I present to you one of our own, Lindsay Smallwood. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. Hey, good morning. Uh, it's always so fun to be here with you guys. Uh, I loved being a part. I only got to come Wednesday night because that's when we flew in. Um, but I loved hearing Jason talk about a God that still does miracles. Amen. Um, and that we know that that's who God is because we've seen it. And and then Michelle's message was uh, particularly uh, tender to my heart that we shouldn't stand around looking up to the sky but that instead we should be ready to go into the world like Jesus asked us to and follow the Holy Spirit where he'll lead. So that's where I want us to jump in this morning, thinking about what does it mean to go, to take all of the wonderful things that the Holy Spirit has done in our heart and to use it out in the places where we live and where we work and where we're called to. And if I could capture the kind of spirit that I want us to have in our hearts in a story, it would be this one. Uh, so I, like Pastor Kim mentioned, I have three little boys who are five, four, and two. So that's a lot of energy. And uh, we are always looking for, you know, ways to burn off that energy. In the fall, we had fires where we live. So we had, we're stuck inside all the time um, for day, I think it was two weeks. So anyways, one Saturday, my husband and I was home. He's like, we got to get out of here and uh, go somewhere else. And so we had these passes to the Children's Museum, and we get there. We're so excited to see it all. And as we're checking in, they had a flyer that you could come see a children's version of the Nutcracker. And it was going to be just that day at the at the museum. And I was thrilled because I love that music. At Christmas time, we always play it in my house on the record player. Um, and so my kids know it, and we dance to it. But ballet tickets aren't really in our budget, but this is free. And it was, we had just shown up and it felt like God had done this just for me that I got to take my kids and do this thing that I love to do. So we we're first in line when they opened the door at two o'clock and we went in, my kids are sitting on the front row. The lady comes out and explains how it's all going to work. It's an abbreviated version. It's just for kids and the dancers kind of take their place behind her and they're holding their pose. And then the music starts and nobody moves. You can tell, like, the look on their faces, like, this, something, something is wrong. And then all of a sudden, the lady comes back out again. She says, stop. That's the wrong song. We have to do a different one. So she points up to the sound booth, and everybody kind of giggles, you know, how when something's wrong or uncomfortable. So the dancers, you know, take their position again, and we all start waiting. And then we wait. And we wait, and like 10 seconds goes by, and everybody's kind of looking at each other and looking back at the sound booth, and it feels weird, like the music should have already started. And then all of a sudden, my Tommy, four years old, middle seat in the front row, stands up, turns his hands into a megaphone, and goes, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> and everyone laughed. Everyone just 
just cracked up because he was Tommy on the spot, man. If we weren't going to have the music to go, he was ready and willing to sing along with it so that we could see that dancing. And I just love it. I love who he is and how he works. And they found the music and it all went off without a hitch. But that's the kind of attitude I want us to think about today, that as we're moving through the world and as we're going to the places that where God calls us to, that we are ready in season and out of season with our gift right in that moment to step in and do the things that we know that we're made to do. So as we start this morning, I want us to look at this verse. If you have the handout, it's the the big one in bold there on the top, 1 Peter 4.10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, this comes from a letter that Peter wrote to an early church that was having a lot of challenges, and he wanted to be an encouragement to them, not only in their challenging situation to give them hope, but also to motivate them to go out and live in their real lives the things that they'd heard, the good news of the gospel. And so I want to read us a little bit of the context sort of around this verse today from 1 Peter 4. And um, I have it for you in the message version, not because it's better than any other version, but I do think that sometimes, um, for many of us, when you've heard a lot of the the scriptures before, it can uh, almost be dull in our head because we've heard it. And so hearing it in a new way, in a fresh way, sometimes helps us hear new things about God. So let's do this together. Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, Learn to think like him. Think of your suffering as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up, so take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer And most of all, love each other like your lives depend on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, and cheerfully. Be generous with the different things that God gives you. Pass them around so all can get in on it. If it's words, let it be God's words. If it's help, let it be God's hearty help. And that way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and he'll get the credit as the one mighty in everything, encore, and to the end of time, oh yes. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God is not on the job, but instead be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. And I love that ending, glory just around the corner. That's how we're going to close today. But before we get to glory, Peter tells us that we have to learn to think like Jesus. And specifically, what Peter's talking about here is that we have to learn to think like Jesus about suffering. And probably that feels like a funny place to start a sermon about using your gifts for God's glory out in the world. Why would we want to talk about suffering first? But here's what I know. All of us, every single person in this room, we live with an ache, right? With longing, with things that aren't as they should be. Jesus did, 
Paul did, Peter did, I, I know that I do. And there are friendships, right, that, that get broken or um, loved ones who pass away unexpectedly. There's dreams that don't come true or opportunities that pass us by. And that's just kind of the stuff in our own life. Then we look out to the, the bigger world and we see famine and far off places and disease that we don't understand. And right now, chaos, government shutdown and people don't have their bills and everything kind of feels out of control and there's injustice on every corner. And I think until we get our heads on straight about being people created by God for good, but in a world with all this suffering, that we're really not going to be much good to anybody. We have to ask Jesus to help us learn to think like he did. I've been asking Jesus to help me learn to think like him and the ache in this season of my life. And I think if you look on the outside of my life, you would think, Lindsay, you don't have a lot to ache about right now. Um, we just moved to California last year, and I love it. We um, There's redwood trees and palm trees. We're 25 minutes from the beach, and my husband's really happy in his job. We have blue skies. I don't have to get my snow boots out except when I come visit my parents. And um, It's a really fun season. We found a church where we're plugged into, and my kids are doing really well. And so in a lot of ways, it seems like everything's going the way that it's supposed to be. But Here's, here's the rub in my life, and in some ways it feels weird to like admit this to you because it doesn't feel super holy, but where we live, the real estate prices are crazy, and we can barely afford the rent. We live in two bedrooms, and we're not sure we'll be able to renew the lease because we really can't afford it. If we wanted to buy the little house that we live in right now, it'd be like $1.3 million, um, and it's just crazy, and everything is like that, and when I look at the way that it's going, it doesn't seem clear to me how we could ever have a mortgage and a backyard and all of the things I always thought I would have as an adult. And what's been interesting to me is this sort of like entitlement in my heart. But God, I've been faithful. But God, I did the right things. But I, you know, have been faithful to my husband and we followed you and we tithe and, you know, we do all these things. And I'm uh, having to check myself that there was nowhere in the paperwork that I ever signed that Jesus promised me an, a nice house with my own trees in the backyard. That just wasn't part of the deal. And what's happening is that the ugliness and sort of the disappointment in my heart is leaking out into my life. So we get invited over to somebody's house to have dinner. And instead of opening up a new friendship and being warm to them, I find myself looking at their pictures of their nice vacation and feeling jealous or wondering how much their furniture costs and thinking about what I don't have. I made a new friend at church and she was complaining to me because her one son was in basketball and then she had to pick him up and drive across town to get to t-ball. And what I should have done is be a good friend and be sympathetic that her day is really stressful and she's feeling like she's done all she can do. But what I'm thinking is, wow, I can't afford for my kids to be in any sports. And I'm walking around Walmart with my calculator thinking about how much my groceries cost and putting back the good cheese and just kind of dragging my feet and feeling bitter about it. And in the midst of all of this, 
there's part of me that knows, right? That knows that I'm not having the heavenly perspective on what my life is in this moment. What Peter tells me is that this ache, this suffering in me, it's God's way of weaning me from a life that's all about me to change my heart to a heart that wants what he wants. But I don't quite know how to live that way yet. I have a mentor. Uh, she's a friend of mine, a, a woman who's about my mom's age. She, we were in a Bible study together, and I called her shortly after we moved to California, and I told her a lot of what I just told you about how frustrated I am and how I find myself coveting all the time and making an inventory of everything I want that I don't have, and I don't know how to stop being this way and how you know unfair it is and blah, blah, blah. I get to the end of my big, long rant, and her response to all of that is this. Lindsay, I am so excited for you. God wants us to be dependent on him. So if there is an area of your life where you lack, then he is going to show himself strong to you in a new way. And I thought, "Mm, that is not the word I wanted on my phone. I wanted like, oh yeah, I understand. That's really hard. I'm sorry that that's what your life is, but that is not what I got. But you know what? Mary Carol's right. Mary Carol is seeing things the way that Jesus sees them. You know, a lot of us can quote by heart uh, Romans 8, 28, right? All things work together for good. We, we, We know that and we say it. But you know what verse 29 says? It says, so that God can shape us into the image of his beloved son. Let me tell you something. Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrow. And he wasn't afraid to say, you know what, I'd rather not do this. Would you take this cup from me? But even if you don't, still I trust you, right? And I think for a lot of us, we think that if we're living the right way, we should have all the right things. But I think what we learn in Scripture is that actually sometimes pain is is part of the plan, and it's God's way of shaping us into the people that he wants us to be. But how do we do that, right? How do we live as people in a world where it hurts? Well, I think uh, the next thing that we see in this passage is that we stay awake. We stay awake in prayer. Now, listen, some of you, you might not even be able to name the ache and the longing and the whatever today because you are so good at not being awake to it. We have a thousand ways in our culture to numb ourselves to what's really happening in our hearts, to scroll and to eat and to drink and to go out and to watch three hours of TV and then to get up and to work and to scroll and to eat and to watch three hours of TV. And you don't really ever have to think about anything if you don't want to because there's enough noise to drown it all out. But I think that the invitation instead is to stay awake to your life, the good and the bad, and to begin to invite Jesus into it. When you read and you reread the Gospels and you go through, you start to notice that all over the place, Jesus is sneaking off to pray. Luke says in chapter 6, it says, like he always did, Jesus went off to a lonely place to pray all the time, to the mountain, to the wilderness. He's always finding these moments with his father in this constant conversation all day long. And I think for a lot of us, if we're honest, the constant conversation that we're having is with our news feed or our group text. The constant conversation in our life might be the people you follow on social media, or maybe it's just the the worries and the fears and the to-do list that's always scrolling through your head. But the invitation is instead to stay awake in prayer. 
to begin to live in such a way that we're in a constant conversation with the Holy Spirit, both so that he can begin to change and redeem the things in us that need changing, and also so that we can be ready for the work that he has for us to do in the world. In the last couple of years, I've learned about prayer in a few different ways. Um, I've been able to be a part of different kinds of churches. I was a Baptist for a while, a Presbyterian, went to an Anglican church for a little bit. People pray in lots of different ways. I've enjoyed learning about praying from a prayer book and that kind of a thing and how, th- how that helps me see God in new ways with new words. But one practice that has really meant a lot to me is called breath prayer. This is a way that I find that I can connect with God during the day. And so what I like to do is meditate on a scripture. Now, I've told you that in this season of my life, the ache is a lot about jealousy and coveting and finances and stuff. So I've been praying this prayer, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And breath prayer just means that when I breathe in, I breathe in, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why don't you do that with me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what I find when I do that, like three or four times, five times, I start to say it, start to really think about it, start to remember that, in fact, my Savior, like a shepherd, has led me, that he has never forsaken me, that he is always with me, that I don't need to want because my God is the Jehovah Jireh who provides for all my needs. He didn't invite me to pray, give me this day my 401k, just give us this day our daily bread, and he's never not given me my daily bread. And as I begin to think about all that, that he, he truly is the one who's leading me, and that I do not have to worry because he is going to take care, then suddenly all those things in my heart start to change. Philippians 4 says it this way, that when we pray, don't fret or worry. Instead of that, pray. And let the petitions and praises shape your worry into prayer, letting God know your concern. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good is going to come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It really is wonderful, I think, when we begin to live in this constant conversation, staying awake to God's presence and his way of being in the world. And as we keep going, when we live in this place of talking with the Holy Spirit and and learning to, to listen to his voice throughout our day, Peter says, don't forget that our whole duty, our biggest job, the most important thing we can do is love. Love. And then know your gifts and be generous. Now, some of this love stuff is really obvious. Peter kind of tackles it in the passage, right? If you see somebody who's hungry, feed them. If you see somebody who's homeless, make sure that they have a place to stay. It's really practical. Take the the blessings in your life, the material things you have, and pass them around. Uh, Sometimes it's um, just being open to what the Holy Spirit brings into your path. A few, about a month ago, I preached at our church in California, and after the sermon, this... um, guy and his wife came up to my husband and I in the back and um, I don't know how to say it except that he was like really cool like he had a cool haircut and cool guy clothes and he was a musician and his wife was like 
really cool looking and in grad school. And honestly, instead of like being able to receive what they were trying to talk to me about, I was kind of overwhelmed with like, I am not cool. I'm in like my mom pants and I had was holding my kids a Sunday school art project. And I, I just was kind of like feeling insecure about, wow, I used to be cool, but I'm not really cool anymore. Anyways, I'm, this is like what's going through my head. And meanwhile, this guy is standing in front of me and sharing with me that as he was driving to church that morning, him and his wife had this conversation and they prayed. And, and basically he told the Lord, like he really wanted an answer to this one question in the service today. He needed to know that God was real and he wanted to hear this. And that in my sermon, God did that for him and that it answered his question and he was so thankful and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, wow, praise God. You know, thank you for this testimony. And as I'm listening to him, all of a sudden the next thing I hear is, um, Lindsay, you should invite him over for dinner. I was like, because like there's part of me, especially the part of me before I had kids that really loves having people over. And then there's this other part that's like, but then I got to clean everything and the kids are all over everybody and they're really loud and they don't like to eat what I make. But if I try to make adult food, but these people are going to want to eat chicken nuggets and you're like thinking through the whole thing. And then we're going to have to eat on like real plates and not paper plates. So I'll be up really late doing dishes and what if they don't leave? And how do you get people out of your house? And I, you know, like I'm like making a hundred excuses in my heart. And I just sense the Holy Spirit say, Lindsay, invite these people over for dinner. So I said, okay, would you guys like to come over for dinner? Oh, wow. Thanks. Yeah, we'd love to. So Wednesday night they came over and, um, can I tell you what that cool guy with his cool haircut and his cool, everything musician cried at my table into his pork ragu because we were speaking words of life to him about his situation and able to share stories that encouraged him and met him where he was. And that was a beautiful thing that God did because I got out of the way and I listened to the spirit. You know, the gift I had that night was dinner in a crock pot and not paper plates. And I gave that gift to that guy and it meant something. God used it for his glory. And what I want to tell you is that um, sometimes it's just, we share what we have, the material things, right? We all have time. We all have hours in the day. Even if we don't have uh, a lot of money, we have time. Some of us do have money and we can share that with people. We all have words we can use, uh, to encourage each other and build each other up. Peter talks about that, that when we speak our words, they should be words of God. Sometimes it's supernatural gifts that we have to share with each other. My, my dad had a stroke a couple of years ago. They took him to the ER. A bunch of people from this church came and prayed. And when they did a second scan, all the evidence of the stroke had disappeared. He was fine and walked out of that ER. And I, I don't know what to make of that, except that sometimes God acts in miraculous ways and we should be open to it. I had a friend going through a really hard situation in her life. Um, she shared some things about her family with me. And I told her I'd pray for her. And then I went home and the Holy Spirit brought her back to my mind. I said, oh, yeah, I got to pray for her. And I, so I started praying and I prayed for supernatural joy. God, would you just give her joy in her circumstances? And, and then the next day I thought of her again. So I prayed that again. And that happened. I prayed for her for a few days. And so finally I texted her. I said, you know, how are you doing? I've been praying that God would give you supernatural joy. And I get this text back. It says, what? And then there's like 12 question marks. 
And then I get a second text. That's so weird because like for the past week, I've been waking up every morning and nothing's changed, but I feel so happy and full of life and everything seems like it's going to be okay. And I don't understand why suddenly everything feels okay when it didn't feel okay, but I'm so joyful. Thank you. And I thought, well, praise God, Holy Spirit. He gave her a, a gift that day through prayer. And that's a beautiful thing that when we begin to share our gifts with one another, no matter how big, no matter how small, God is at work. I think we also have gifts that are special. Like not, we all have, you know, the same 24 hours in a day that we can use to spend to help each other out. But some of us have different kinds of gifts. Uh, The Bible talks about this a lot, spiritual gifts that we can use to build up the church. Um, My gift is preaching. But I didn't know that until like maybe three or four years ago. I thought everybody like was just aching to get up there and take the microphone. And I would listen to sermons and think about how people would illustrate it and take notes and imagine what I might say instead to illustrate a certain point. When I was a little kid, I used to go home and preach the sermon again to all my stuffed animals on the bed after church. And even now when I go out, I listen to podcasts in my iPod and then I go home and I write down good ideas I hear about how to illustrate points. Um, it's, it's fascinating to me and it's joyful for me and I feel God's pleasure when I do it. And yet I didn't realize that, um, I just thought we all had to take turns. And the reason that, you know, um, we were all just being kind and not taking over the mic, but actually a lot of people would not like to do this at all. And as much as I love preaching, I do not want to have to organize a meeting. And for somebody else, they would be glad to put their skills to work to do that. And God has equipped us and gifted us in different ways. And I tell you that because I think sometimes uh, maybe you don't know what your gifts are, so I encourage you to pursue, talk to a pastor, and, and find out more. And if you do, think about um, how come there's, is there any gaps between what you know your gifts are and where you're using them? Because the church needs you, right? We really need each other. That's part of what this passage tells us, is that for the good of everybody, we use our gifts to build up the church. I love the story of Peter in Acts 3. He's walking down the road, and uh, he comes across this guy um, who can't walk, and the guy asks him for money, and it says Peter looked him in the eye, and he said, silver and gold have I none. He doesn't have any money. Relatable, right? But all that I have I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he did. The guy was healed. Peter knew that he had an anointing for healing. And when that guy asked for something, he knew what gift he was available to give. That's Tommy, right? That we live with this like, oh, I know that. Uh, Here it is. Here's the moment that the Holy Spirit has prepared for me to stand up and do the thing that I love to do. We want to live in season and out of season ready to use our gifts. But let me tell you something. That's hard. Okay, all of this is is not easy. And I I know that. I, I don't want to stand up before you today and act like a person who does it perfectly or already has it all figured out. There are times where it's easy to just give in to the temptation to zone out and to not be awake in prayer, not think about what the Holy Spirit's up to. There's places in my life where I've sensed the Holy Spirit leading me toward one thing, and I haven't done that thing, and I have uh, disappointment about that. I think the systems of this world are designed to turn us into people who tune out and are only concerned about our little family and are apathetic about the rest of the world. It's overwhelming. So how do we do this? 
How do we, how do we live eager and ready to use our gifts? Well, I think verse 13, we have to hold on to hope, to the hope that we have in Jesus, because what does it tell us there? Glory is just around the corner. Here's the truth that, that fuels me. Okay, that really like lights a fire inside of me and makes me willing to invite people over for dinner when I would rather just sit on my couch in the quiet by myself. Everything matters. Everything I do to bring God's kingdom close to this world matters. God has delivered me from sinful patterns and set me on a path of life. And now for the rest of my days until glory comes, I get to tell people about the kingdom that's at hand. My life has a shape and a purpose and a song. And the song is, this is my story. Jesus is my savior all the day long. The good news is not just for me, but it's for everyone. And I want everybody to know that this other kingdom is on the way because that means my life matters. N.T. Wright says it this way, and I love this. Listen close. What you do in the Lord, it's not in vain. You are not oiling the wheels of a machine that's about to roll over a cliff. You are not restoring a great painting that's shortly going to get thrown into a fire. You are not planting roses in a garden that's going to be dug up from a building site. You are strange, though it may seem, and almost as hard to believe as the resurrection itself, accomplishing something that will become in due course part of God's new world. Every act of love, of gratitude and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation And of course, every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel and builds up the church and embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world, all of this will find its way through the resurrection power of God into the new creation that God will one day make. What does that mean? It means don't grow weary in doing good. Hang on until the finish. Believe that God is taking your offering and making something beautiful out of it, that you might be more like Jesus and that the world might know him. Sometimes this is hard for me, if I'm honest. Um, there's, there's different parts of it that are easier than others. If you want to pass me the microphone, I'm, I am glad to preach the sermon. But there's other parts of it where I'm like, really, God, you want me to do the, that part? You're going to call me to grow in this way, to understand this about your kingdom? Um, this is a weird thing to tell you at the week of the Holy Spirit Conference, but divine healing is one of those things. I have like a science mind, and I would rather just think that God heals people through medicine and doctors and That's really understandable for me. And then it doesn't open up questions like, how come this person got healed and not that person? And and is God good? And what about the timing? And should I keep praying? And I don't know. And, And all of that is a little bit disconcerting. But can I tell you something? I read the Bible to my kids a lot, and people are getting healed in there all over the place. And, uh, so my kids believe it. And this summer I had an experience where I had really bad pain in my leg. I was in tears crying because it hurts so bad. We were in a hotel room. And my three-year-old said, Mom, why are you crying? I said, well, you know what? My leg hurts really bad. 
And he laid his hand on it, and he said, God, I love my mom. I don't want my mom to hurt. Would you make her legs stop hurting? Amen. And in that moment, my whole leg got hot, and then all the pain left. And I said, really? (laughs) Because praise God that my pain is gone, and also, oh, Because if my little three-year-old can pray for healing and God will do it, then I wonder what he's inviting me into. And so I'm trying to learn to think like Jesus. I'm trying to to learn to begin to pray for new gifts and new ways of bringing God's kingdom into the world where I live. I'm trying to look at life like Jesus did, trusting that my suffering is making me into the person that God created me to be. And that in the places where I lack and I ache, I long to see God's power on display I want to love in big and small ways. It's really easy in a Pentecostal church to cheer for a divine healing. Can I tell you something? This week, uh, my mom on one of the mornings invited a woman over who doesn't have a computer and didn't understand how to fill out the forms for her PFD. And my mom just real calmly and carefully sat with her for like, they took them 90 minutes, I think, to click all the boxes and print it. We printed the wrong one to print another one and figure it out, find a stamp and write the envelope. And then she went home, and I thought, you know what? That's using your gifts for God's kingdom. That's taking notice of somebody else's need and saying, you know what? I have time. I have a computer. I'm going to share it with you. I want to be Jesus' hand and feet to you today, and what it looks like is helping you fill out your PFD form. It might sound less amazing, but I think that when we begin to say yes to the little moments like that, that God begins to give us more and more opportunities to be people who bring his kingdom everywhere we go. Uh, St. Augustine said, a Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot. That's who I want to be. Every part of me praising Jesus everywhere I go. I want to live like glory is just around the corner. And remembering that it's not just about accomplishing great things for God, but learning to know him and walk with him in the middle of it. You see, that's the promise. We're not uh, inspired so that we go out and do all these things alone. But what the invitation is, is that when we all begin to center our lives around the Holy Spirit, who is in himself a good gift, and as we all together begin to walk with that spirit and listen to his voice and live lives together of sharing that the gift is in knowing God himself. It's not just in the doing and the receiving and the sharing. All of that is is cool and it's part of it. But I think that the real gift is that God wants to create in us hearts that are ready to live with him forever. And that's the dream, right? That's the glory that's just around the corner. So as we close today, I um, want to sing a song for you. It's a, a hymn. I didn't write it. Um, you can look it up if you like later. It's called Your Labor is Not in Vain. And as I prepared yesterday, I just, um, I don't usually <laughs> sing at the end of a sermon, but I just sense that for some, some people, um, the Lord really wants to uh, speak to you in this. Um, so I'm going to do this, and then Pastor Ken will come in close.
Your labor is not in vain. Though the crown underneath you is cursed and stained, your planting and reaping are never the same. But your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not unknown. Though the rocks they cry out and see it may grow. The place of your toil may not seem like a home, but your labor is not unknown. I am with you, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. I have called you, called you by name. Your labor is not in vain. The vineyards you plant will bear fruit. The fields will sing out and rejoice with the truth. For all that is old will at last be made new. The vineyards you plant will bear fruit. For I you by name. Your labor is not in vain. The houses you labor to build will finally with laughter and joy there be serpent who hurts and destroys will be killed and all that is broken Thank you, Lindsay. Always a delight to learn from you and 
See how the Holy Spirit's at work in your life. How many of you can relate to the real life situations that she speaks of today? Very good and uh, appreciate it. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to gather today and reflect on learning to think like Jesus, especially about the ache. And so, God, today we ask you to uh, redesign our perspectives. We ask you to help us to recalibrate our notions about the situations of our lives. And to Lindsay, it was a two-room house and a lot of work. To the musician, it was life-giving and joy. And she had a recalibration of that gifting in her life. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to reimagine the way that our life is, to reimagine, to give a new definition to the various difficulties in our lives as I think her friend's uh, name, Mary Carroll, said, well, praise God, the opportunity to get to know God better. He likes to make himself known in, in challenges. So God, today we ask you to help us to think like Jesus in the middle of our ache. And then, Lord, uh, for people that everything's going great and they have sort of this uh, guilty feeling that there's a longing in their soul. They say, you know, I have everything I need. Uh, I'm happy in every way, but there's a, a longing in my soul. Well, thank you, Lord. That longing is for you. Uh, we learned years ago, Augustine said that inside every human being is this empty space that only God can fill. He called it a God-shaped vacuum inside each of us. And so there's people here today, everything's good. But they're going, Lord, I just, I just have this ache for you. I, uh, it's like, uh, it's like our loved ones in another continent. We're saying, God, I just would like to see my family. And today, in the relationship to the Lord, some people are there, the, the longing of their heart is, I just like to be with God. I'd like a fresh visitation of the Lord. And then, Lord, it's so easy as we learned to fall asleep on our own lives. And Lindsay called us to stay awake in prayer. Uh, Frederick Beekner, one of my favorite authors, wrote a book called Listen to Your Life. And Lord, thank you that we are today awakening ourselves to our world, awakening ourselves to our situation, not drowning it out with another round of... Uh, uh, video games, not rounding it out with louder music, not not numbing it with something else, but we ask you, God, that you would just let us be awake to what it is in our lives, awake to how we really are, awake to our, our, our heart, because just around the corner is the glory of the Lord. Praise God. And today might be the corner. We invite you in, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The end of 1 Corinthians 15, you say, Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O grave, is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And then it says, uh, Cheer one another on, for you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain, which Lindsay has just sung over us. Thank you, God, that we are doing something meaningful. That the releasing of our gifts, uh, helping somebody with their PFD or helping uh, someone with a solution, helping someone think a new way, it's all part of that way you've wired us and we just are generous with what you've made us to be. 
We're generous with our prayer. We're generous with our kind words. We're generous in a, in a variety of ways. And for this, oh God, we're thankful. I'd like you.